What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? And uh, we got a killer panel today. I'm very excited for this one. And might I say that this panel has the best looking group of backgrounds I think have been on an episode of Why Are We Bullish? For some reason, everybody just like everything's on point. And it's, I, I, I feel like my background is, is almost lacking because theirs are so pretty. So I'm going to up my game here. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to get into it. We're going to bring our guests in momentarily. This is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, like, subscribe, share. Those things help a ton getting this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin. All right, before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. We're sitting at 22,609 cock bucks per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 4,423 sats, significantly less than the last time I said that. 91.75% uh, of all Bitcoin have been mined. That's 19.27 million. And in terms of fees, a little bit higher, lots of activity going on. So next block looking like 23 sats per byte. If you're willing to wait a little bit, it's still in the double digits, uh, around 14 sats per byte. So just Plan accordingly, use RBF, whatever you got to do. Uh, shout out to sponsors of the show, coinkite.com. They got the best hardware in the game. I love securing my stack with my cold card Mark IV. Uh, they've got all kinds of great stuff over there. Open dimes, block clocks, your sats cards, your, your tap signers, all that awesome stuff. Check out coinkite.com. Use code BTC Sessions for 5% off. Up next, we've got Start9. Your sovereign computing solution. I've done a full tutorial on how to set up your Bitcoin stack with the embassy. So running Bitcoin Core, Lightning Nodes, Mempool, uh, Join Market, all kinds of awesome stuff on this. But it's not just your Bitcoin stack. You can secure your digital life as well. Things like passwords, files, photos, all of that stuff. You can do it with the Start9 Embassy. Head over to Start9.com. Check out the Embassy One or the Embassy Pro if you're looking for something super beefy to secure your entire life on. Check that out. If you are stacking sats and you have a few things in mind that are very important, like peer-to-peer, self-custody, and no KYC, HODL HODL has you covered. You can sign up in minutes with nothing more than an email address. You don't have to give up your ID and your firstborn child just to get on there. Uh, so yeah, check them out. You can be trading peer-to-peer -peer with individuals. They do have a lending platform as well, which is non uh, it, which means you're not getting anything rehypothecated through them, unlike most other solutions out there. Uh, so check them out, hodlhodl.com. There's a link down below. You can click that directly to check them out. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, get it in solid steel. Uh, you might not want it just on a piece of paper. You know, things like fire damage, water damage, all that crap. Uh, check out privacypros.io slash BTC sessions and uh, the Bill Foddle. This time I'm backing up my important stuff uh, to make sure I have some peace of mind. Anyways, enough of my ranting. We got to get our guests in here. So uh, let's bring them in right now. We've got Max, we've got Slim, we've got Joe. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. I think a quick round of intros is in order. So uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to, to Max. 
first and just ask you, uh, who are you? What do you do, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I uh, love the content you put out and you do it so consistently. You do a great job. So thank you for having me. My name is Max Gagliardi, uh, co-founder of a company called Ancova in the energy industry. We also do a bit of Bitcoin mining with uh, Ancova Digital, uh, our small Bitcoin mining outfit. And I've got a bunch of other little things going on. We've got some real estate stuff, uh, this new riverfront development that we just launched in a new liquor brand. So a uh, bunch of different things, but primarily energy. Uh, do a talk energy is a podcast that I do. And uh, and that's kind of, uh, that's it. Man, you've got a lot of shit going on. So <laughs> yeah, jack of all trades, I think. Try to spread it out. Try to spread it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you, man. First time on the show. Uh, let's jump to Joe. Can you let people know who you are, what you do? Thanks for having me on the show. First and foremost, I, uh, you, you helped me set up my cold card way back in the day. So I do, I do appreciate that. Uh, my name is Joe Consorti. I'm a research analyst over at the Bitcoin layer. We are a Bitcoin and macro publication. We cover Bitcoin through a global macro lens. Uh, and we do that through all social media channels, as well as YouTube and a Substack publication. Uh, I write it with my good friend, Nick Batia, who is the author of that book back there, Layered Money. I can't quite point to it. It's behind you as well. And uh, yeah, that's me. I'm excited to be on. Awesome. Well, dude, glad to have you as well. Again, also first time on the show. Uh, and we'll toss it to Slim. Slim, it's good to see you, man. It's been a little while. I saw you down in um, in uh, Charlotte last for yes. Halloween. Uh, but uh, first time on the show. So I'm glad to have you. Let people know who you are if they're unfamiliar. Yeah, it's good to see you again, man. Thanks for having me. We tried this once. I canceled. So, you know, uh, wasn't trying to be an asshole, oh, but glad to be back. <laughs> but uh, no, man, I'm I am Texas Slim. I'm the founder of the Beef Initiative. Uh, what we're doing is basically we're giving the started off the great American rancher a voice they've never had in this digital world. And we've been separated from them from consumer. Uh, there's a lot of beef intelligence that we bring a lot of education. We are onboarding ranchers and consumers. We're selling beef for Bitcoin, Bitcoin for beef. Uh, we have educational uh, summits across the United States this year. We had five micro summits or three micro summits, two major summits, I guess. And then we're uh, about to head off to Australia and go do it over there now. So we got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your hands full. Well, I'm, I'm glad for what you do and, uh, and, and through kind of what I saw you guys doing, uh, I've made inroads into kind of having that circular economy and, uh, and, and everything that you've been doing has, has helped in my life. So, I'll, you know, we'll get into it. I'm sure a bit later on, you but bet. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being here, man. Um, all right, gentlemen. So we're going to just dive right into this for those that are watching that are unfamiliar. This is why are we bullish? Very simple uh, kind of layout to the show. So everybody comes with a reason why they're bullish and it can really be anything, um, that somehow relates to, to Bitcoin and the ethos of Bitcoin. Um, and so we go by the three R's first, somebody is going to drop a reason why they're bullish, whatever they please. They get to rant on it and, and kind of discuss why they're excited about that particular topic. So reason next, Altogether, we're going to riff on that reason, questions, comments, whatever, let the conversation take us where it may. And then finally, we're going to rotate to the next person. And we do this over and over again until we've all had a chance to talk about why we're bullish. So reason, riff, rotate, simple. We are going to dive into that right away. Uh, and I'm going to get started with my reason for being bullish 
uh, this week uh, just to kind of get us teed up here. So I finally got around to something that I felt I was sleeping on uh, the last little bit, even though it's still very, very new. Um, but I kept on getting messages and tags and stuff like that on Twitter saying, Ben, when are you going to cover Noster? And, and I was like, what in the hell is that? Why am I looking at another social media? Like, have we not done this before? Have we not all migrated from a social media platform only to return because network effects? Um, and so I was reluctant to kind of look at it, but I finally did. And I'm, I'm bullish on it. Now, Noster is not Bitcoin, obviously. It is not directly related to Bitcoin, but in the ethos of Bitcoin, it, it, it furthers an aspect of, of our lives in a way uh, that, that lends itself to less central control. And it integrates with Bitcoin very, very nicely. Um, so let me explain a little bit of what it is. So effectively, our, our regular kind of social media experience is you sign up on, on with an account at uh, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the hell it is. You, you sign up with an email and a, and a password and that particular social media site hosts all of your data and uh, you are beholden to them. If you post something that does not go along with uh, the people who are running the site, what they deem is acceptable, they can uh, censor your posts or just fully take them down or ban your uh, ban your account and not allow you back, whatever it may be. So we've seen a lot of instances of censorship and people being throttled or like shadow banned across Twitter and Facebook and all these other platforms previously, YouTube even. Um, so how does Nostra handle this differently? Well, your, your profile or your online persona is actually done in the same way that a Bitcoin wallet would be in that you have a pair of keys. So you have a private key and a public key. Your public key acts as a mechanism through which people can find you. So it's like your identifier. It can be fully anonymous. You don't have to associate it with yourself. It's just a way of finding you. Your private key is what effectively says that you actually posted something or whoever's in, in uh, whoever owns the keys posted this particular thing. So every time you do an action, you say something, you post a link, you follow somebody, you have to approve that action with your key, your private key. Now, the interesting thing here is, is how this works um, in practice in terms of how you interact with each other. When you link with somebody, when you follow or, or you, it's referred to as following um, in the instance of Noster, but when you follow somebody, when you create a connection with another individual, you're not co connecting with them on a centralized platform that is run by somebody else. You're connecting with their public key through your own key pair. And so you're saying, I want to link with this person. And what that means is you can have all these links and all these connections to different people and they are platform agnostic. And so it would be like if you followed me on Twitter or I followed you on Twitter and then all of a sudden a new up and coming platform that had like a ton more features and you could do more stuff on it came about and 
what we know right now is, oh, I'm going to go over to this other platform. Hey, everybody, I'm over here. Follow me over here as well. Or I'm mostly going to be here. So go follow me. You're not going to see me on Twitter anymore. Well, now you are already connected. The moment somebody is connected with you on one client, they're connected with you everywhere, regardless of what client you navigate to. And so you are the key pair. You're not the platform that you're on. Now, some of the things that made me happy about this are, one, they didn't need to make a token to make it work. You have a key pair. You have clients. Clients are, you know, kind of the interface that you're dealing with. Like you and and you can migrate between clients or use any client that you want. It's just kind of what it looks like when you're interacting with it. And then there are relays, which is kind of like hosting a node. It's where the data is stored. Right now, there's not a direct incentive to run a relay, but you can. Uh, there are already instances of gating hosting people's data by integrating lightning transactions. So saying, okay, yeah, you can absolutely connect to my relay if you want me to host data, or maybe if you want me to host data above a certain threshold, it, you know, you, you can connect to my relay and it's every month you pay like X number of sats. You can also easily, and it's already happening, you can integrate um, lightning invoices and lightning tips and payments directly into Nostr, cross-platform everywhere. It already exists like that. Um, I, I just want to kind of quickly show before I kind of open it up to comments, questions, whatever. So, so this is uh, an example of, of a, a client. Okay, so, you know, typical kind of like Twitter feed. It's still like bare bones. It's early days, but this is, this is called Hamster. All right, you can see there's lightning invoices just in the feed. Anybody can like click on, on an invoice, scan it, pay it, whatever. Um, somebody already paid this one. And, and yeah, so you just have like this constant stream of people. There's, there's Jack Dorsey, uh, found a creator of Twitter, right? He's, he loves Noster. He said this a few seconds ago. Um, here's another client. This one is called Iris. I'm using the same key pair on it. I'm getting the exact same feed because I'm connected to the same people here. Um, it's again, client agnostic. What I'm seeing here and what I'm seeing here is the same profile that I'm using. Here is Astral, another client, different way of looking at it. A little bit, again, here, there. <laughs> Somebody literally just shared our, our, our show right now on Noster, <laughs> literally like a few minutes ago. I'll just repost it. Um, and look, here's my, uh, here's my, uh, I'm basically approving. It says, Hey, do you want to sign this? I'm basically reposting somebody and I'm using my private key to confirm that I want to do that. So I just posted it. So I, I approve it through a key. Um, just like I would sign a Bitcoin transaction. So more or less, um, you've got social connections through, uh, platform agnostic uh, in a platform agnostic way that lends itself directly to direct integration with lightning. And just as an example of lightning, here's the, the tip button. So I can literally hit that. It'll open up my, uh, my um, uh, Albi to, to make a payment and it, it just automatically paid there, but I can give like an additional 
okay, 10 sats, let's give them a hundred sats. All right. I'm going to use, uh, what wallet do I want? It gives, it'll give me an option of like what wallet I want to use with it. And, uh, and, and then I'll be able to, so I want the, uh, browser extension. Okay. So it should open up my Albi client and then I'll be able to select, uh, what I want to, what I want to tip. So I hit pay. And hopefully my demo here will work well, but you kind of get the point. Lightning is integrated with, okay, and it paid. So um, nonetheless, basically Lightning can integrate here directly into the feed and it's all linked with uh, a, a key pair that I've created through like a browser extension. And this can work in a lot of different ways, but I guess what I'm getting at here is I think in a way Bitcoin and the fact that it can't be necessarily controlled by any one entity and that it's kind of self-sovereignty to the extreme in the way that you can take it there if you want has spurred on people thinking about things differently. And it was a Bitcoiner that created this. And I think had Bitcoin not existed, it would have been very difficult to, to come to a conclusion of, of what this platform is and what it could potentially do to the idea of social connection connections moving forward. So I know a little bit disjointed, but I'm just kind of still wrapping my head around what Nostra is and what it's capable of. Um, but I do think there's some promise and it's the first time that I've seen since, you know, the initial run-ins of, Oh, we need to leave this platform. Oh, there's censorship here. It's the first kind of tangible one that I, I see as an actual leap forward and not just, well, we'll just go to people on the other side of the political spectrum and hope that they don't censor us. So I'm going to open it up to you, gentlemen. Um, if you have questions, comments, thoughts uh, in and around Noster and, and or what you've seen of it. Uh, so whoever wants to jump in, comment. I think the the first thing that I'll say it's really remarkable. It's the first time that I have uh, I've actually seen a, a demo of of Noster. I will uh, I'll admittedly say that I'm behind on this train. Uh, I've just found Twitter to be so convenient, but seeing that live, um, the the first thing I'll say is pretty remarkable that it doesn't need a shitcoin to operate on. Yes, um, there are several different uh, uh, you know shitcoins try to rationalize their existence and justify themselves by saying oh well we've got a we've got a protocol and this is the coin that runs on top of it yeah but somehow some way nostr doesn't need a native token it's, uh, it's remarkable and I, I i'm excited that that is a precedent that's being set by nostr uh it, it's been a reality for a very long time but having that as a as a precedent that people can see that this protocol probably, you know, has has better reach, a better user base than ninety nine point nine percent of altcoins that underlie some sort of protocol say that they have. Uh, and so, just seeing this is uh, is remarkable, and what it could mean moving forward is is really cool. Yeah, is it's I I like that you pointed that out because from this point moving forward, it undoes anybody in the future saying, okay, we've created a decentralized social media platform and we needed a token to do it. Nobody mm -hmm. will ever be able to say that with a straight face again without lying through their teeth. So I, yeah, I, I think that's a great point to make. Um, Max, Slim, do you want to yeah. dive in? I mean, I'll just echo that. The fact that it's, it's decentralized 
it just, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, when it comes to communication and being able to speak your mind and put out content, I mean, it doesn't, no matter what I do, you know, I do a lot of content in the energy space. And when I put content out, even if we tangentially talk about something like climate or just, there's a lot of different topics that you can hit on. And we're not even really saying anything that's controversial, but the algorithms will pick it up and I will get disclaimers put on my YouTube videos. I get disclaimers put on Spotify and they're basically, you know, just inserting this, you know, these messages that they want to put all over my content. And it's kind of like, this just seems ridiculous and unnecessary. And I had like videos that I posted this week that got removed on TikTok. And I don't do a lot of TikTok. I've been trying to do more because I guess that's what the young people like. <laughs> and so my wife's like, why are you using that app? And I'm like, I just am trying to be uh, trying to figure it out. But it got removed and I had to say this, this was nothing controversial on this and they put it back on and it, mm -hmm. it was fine. But when you see that stuff happen, it gives you a lot of worry and pause. And then you spend so much time building up an audience on you know places like YouTube and Twitter. And you just know that at any moment that can just be completely taken away. And for somebody that's trying to create content and make, you know, a business around media, um, it's scary because you just never know when someone can just snuff you out, right? I mean, they snuffed out the president of the United States, so you're nothing, right? You could easily be just canceled. So it's a very great concept, and I'm glad that somebody's moving it forward. Um, like Joe said, I haven't got on there yet. I do have fatigue around the amount of apps that I use, but it's I need to get on there. I need to create a profile because it's a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out again. Like I, I, I did a video on like how to on, on a bait kind of get set up with it. So hopefully that's, that's going to help people that were timid. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Slim, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts in and around that because I, you know, I, I know that you've probably also seen, um, things online where, you know, uh, messaging is not getting through correctly. You're probably also <laughs> a bit in and around like the narrative around red meat, uh, sure. Yeah. As misinformation, <laughs> man, I got, I've been shadow banned so many times because of food intelligence, you know, that hashtag we started off with. So yeah, we're all in the same boat here. I, I find it fascinating because I like it in in the way that it's it's a lot of what we're doing with the beef initiative platform itself and offering basically Bitcoin as a solution to ranchers and consumers. You know, it's a value for value exchange and, you know, having something like and I, I have not looked at it. Everybody's told me get on it, look at it. Do not, I haven't had time, man. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm so deep in the, the beef uh, initiative right now. But the, the decentralized communications on a value for value exchange using lightning to everything that we're doing right now in the beef initiative. I mean, I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. um, I stay away from as many platforms as I can right now. The only thing that we're on and we've done this grassroots is Twitter and my Substack. We haven't had anything else besides that. So we've grown everything with uh, the idea that we'd probably be censored in all the other platforms. Yeah. And so it's been really the backbone of the Bitcoiners innovating with us. And then you see something like Nostra. It's, it's almost in the same position that we are right now. People are discovering it and they're discovering Bitcoin and beef. And they're understanding that, hey, there, there's going to be a prohibition against beef. I want to have a peer-to-peer -peer relationship, peer-to-peer -peer transaction for value-for-value -value exchange. And so I think that's what Nostra is doing a lot with the communications. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you're, you're right. Like there, it takes the ethos mm -hmm. and it applies it to something 
you know, I won't say completely different, but it it applies it to, to another use case. And, and in this, yeah. And it's, it's, it's again, to echo what you guys have said, it's, it's beautiful that you don't need a shit coin. Um, It's, it's helping with the censorship that we've seen in terms of like, you, you can't censor it. Um, And moving forward, like it becomes, that escape valve so in a world where you can't say certain things because the powers that be don't deem them to be uh acceptable well now now there's a release valve now there's now there's you know bitcoin is the release valve for economic freedom this this appears to possibly be the release valve for freedom of speech and i think jack dorsey he said that too he said uh, a while ago and i can't remember the exact wording but he said if i were to do twitter all over again it, it would be an open protocol uh, and it's for that exact reason when, when something proliferates and gets as large as it, as it is as it twitter is but it's a business then you naturally have the incentive to prioritize shareholders over uh freedom of speech and that's sort of the pickle that elon finds himself in now he bought the company in order to sort of push freedom of speech uh, and allow uh, things to go on the platform. But unfortunately, the reality is, um, you know, that uh, it, it's a business. And mm-hmm. uh, as, as a function of that, it can be removed from the app store. Any number of things can happen. You know, tomorrow, iOS could make Twitter completely, uh, they, they could ban it from the, pl- uh, from the uh, operating system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with Noster, there's no company at the center. And that's mm-hmm. also the, the, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin, right? There's no center. We're about to go through this big, uh, earnings recession, right? Bitcoin doesn't have a balance sheet. If Twitter were ever to get taken off the, uh, you know, the platforms that it uses, if it were to get banned from the web, etc., then Nostra's right there. And similar to Bitcoin, Nostra doesn't have a center. Yeah, yeah. And and the nice thing is right now, it's not even on the app store. Like it technically, yeah, it's in. You can get in and test flight, um, and you can download like APK files if you're on Android. Um, but more or less, like you can use the equivalent of like a, a, a browser client, a browser-based client, and then like a, a, uh, a, a what am I saying? Uh, like a browser extension as your key. Um, so you, you don't need the app store for this to function either. Um, it, it'll be nice if it is on the app store and people can download it. But like, I, I think as, as, a, as a pain point or a point of failure, a singular point of failure, App stores are it, right? You have Google Play and you have the iOS app store. And that takes two companies to say you're not allowed to do something. And the majority of the population of Earth that is connected to the internet just won't have it presented as an option. They'll still be able to access it. But I think normalizing, adding applications onto your phone through uh, alternative means should be something that we work towards but uh, you know maybe nostra will help get us there as well so we'll see um anyways real gentlemen, quick on I, that, real so quick on that i was gonna say the amazing thing of why it's not allowed why certain apps aren't allowed is because of censorship that's the reason they're saying you, unless you're able to censor things we're not going to allow you on there so it's just kind of a it's and i get that there's certain things that are you know probably you know that are illegal that you shouldn't you know have out there that you know, are actually illegal that there are laws against. But at the end of the day, that's such a blurry line because there's a lot of things that are being censored that aren't illegal. And so that's like the prerequisite to be on the app stores that we have to be able to make sure that you're censoring or we can't have you on here. It's just kind of crazy. But yeah, to your point, being able to get it on the internet or on another app on your phone in a different way, I think is pretty critical 
to get people. I mean, because what are really apps? I mean, if apps didn't exist, then the mobile versions of these websites would just be the app. Instead, they've somehow centralized that so much that you have to download this client in it. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a good thing if we can move away from that. It's also an argument for uh, for owning an Android because you've been able to install external applications since the original Motorola Droid released a decade and a half ago. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, anyways, gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to round out this, this topic here. Uh, and I'll just simply say people watching that are, are kind of curious, like what the hell is Noster? How do I get involved in it? Um, there is a tutorial that I, I dropped earlier in the week that basically walks through the steps to set yourself up and start using Noster, uh, right away. And it kind of, it starts with the basics of, of interacting with Noster and everything. And then it goes deeper down the rabbit hole of like getting your own, um, instead of like a, a jumble of letters as your public key, getting something that's simple that looks like an email address for that um, and verifying who you are via other social platforms and um, cryptography to like make sure that you are who you say you are and it's not somebody squatting on your screen name. Uh, so there's lots of different stuff covered there, but the beginning should take you through the basics. Anyways. Well, we'll leave that that uh, that conversation there. I hope it makes some people curious, but we're going to do a rotation now. Um, so I'm going to jump to Max first, just because that's who's on my screen next. Uh, and uh, I'm going to just tee you up with a simple question, man. Why are you bullish? Yeah, there's there's a lot of good reasons to be bullish. I think the main one for me is the network and seeing the growth that's happening with hash rate and being involved in the mining space. And just seeing all the entrepreneurs and people in the world that are learning about Bitcoin. And that's how I came into Bitcoin was from the energy side and from the mining side. I didn't, uh, before I got into mining and before I started learning about it, I really wasn't, you know, I had obviously had people, relatives and friends that had been buying Bitcoin and telling me for years. And like everybody else has the story where you're like, I should have just listened to them. Uh, and I just was always on the precipice of being like, yeah, yeah, I need to research that. It's really interesting. Uh, you know, I'll spend the time at some point. And then when it, you know, crashed into my world and I started seeing all these people uh, in the energy space, mining Bitcoin and hearing stories about people using flared natural gas uh, and other people in the oil field mining and then seeing what was happening on the grid and then having guests on, on the podcast and hearing their stories about it. That's when I just started to be like, OK, this is something I really have to start paying attention to. And I've always been fascinated on monetizing energy and the ways to monetize energy is what our company helps our clients with. And it's always been in the traditional space around, uh, you know, how do we take these traditional resources like oil and natural gas and how do we convert those into a monetary value and do it in the most efficient way? And a lot of that is transportation. So it's being able to transport the supply of energy uh, somewhere downstream to where the demand is at, where that energy is needed. And when I found, and so you focus on things like pipelines, or if you're in the, on the grid, it's like transmission lines and where you're going to put these power stations. And then when I found out that there was a way to monetize energy that is completely locationally agnostic and you can move it to anywhere in the world where there is waste energy. And there's just this vast amount of waste, uh, it, not only in oil and gas, but also on the grid and in other realms, like in the renewable side, it's just a wasteland of waste energy because they work when the sun's shining or the wind's blowing and they don't work necessarily always when you need them. And so there's lots of ways uh, that waste is created. And when I found out that there was this mechanism now with the Bitcoin network where you could move a high valued source of demand 
and bring that to a place uh, anywhere in the world. It takes very little broadband to mine. You basically just need a, an internet connection, whether that's through a cell, cellular connection or a satellite. And you can effectively monetize energy anywhere. That was a kind of revolutionary moment for me that it really changed. It's a total paradigm shift in energy. And that's where I was like, this is incredible if this is real. And so then I spent the time to learn about it and found out that it very much was real. And then seeing the network getting built out again, like I mentioned, all the entrepreneurs, all the people that are out there uh, mining Bitcoin, it just, there's two aspects of it. There's a token and there's the network. And I've always said the token is what it is. There's a lot of great reasons why people should own it. It's scarce. Uh, there's so many great properties of the token but I spend less time being bullish about the token because of there's so many reasons why it can go up and down. And the people that I had as mentors early in the space were like, it's going to go up. There's going to be a time when it crashes, just be prepared. Uh, and so the token is what it is and it has a lot of great properties, but the network itself and the way it's being built out, the amount of decentralization, it, it's just incredible. And seeing that people that are spending the time to learn about Bitcoin and learn about the network uh, via the mining side it's really such a healthy way to learn about it because you start to understand why it's so powerful, all the things that can be built on top of it, um, all the things, problems in the world that it can solve. And once you, you know, to me, that's the most bullish thing because I don't know what's going to happen with the price and fiat terms of the token. But what I can tell you is what I'm seeing on the network side, it's being built out in incredibly resilient ways with a bunch of really smart entrepreneurial people and to me, that is what gets me very bullish and why I long-term believe in the technology. Because again, I can't predict the price of the token, but I know that the network is going to continue to be built out. It's continue to be decentralized. And that's an incredible thing. You can do so much with that, uh, given the fact that most, or if not all of the monetary systems in the world do not have that property outside of maybe something like a physical gold, which Bitcoin has a lot of properties that are better than gold. So to me... Um, that's what keeps me bullish and why I get so excited when I think about it and then people using it, obviously the user adoption. Um, so I'll end it there and, and open it up. But um, to me personally, that's, that's the thing that gets me the most bullish is the network. I, I, I think um, the energy bit is, is very important. And, and the way that, that Bitcoin is uh, Bitcoin and energy are, are in like linked together. Um, you can't separate one from the other. And I it think basically it is energy. I mean, at the end of the day, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. in a way. It's, 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 um, it's, uh, it makes sense that down the line, Bitcoin is the best money to price energy in um, over time because it's di very directly linked to it. Um, I, I, and I see energy producers realizing um, how, how Bitcoin works and, and how it can help in instances of stranded energy. Um, you know, I was reading a stat, something like uh, from production to end consumer in terms of electricity, something like <laughs> some ridiculous number, like 60 something percent of energy is, is effectively wasted by the time in terms of electricity, by the time it gets to the end consumer. Um, part of it in, in, generation part of it in transmission in various forms uh, like uh, the majority of the energy is wasted um whereas if you had uh something that could you know lap up the extra waste um that isn't used because obviously you, you run a grid you have to be prepared for peak demand right you have to be prepared for every person on that grid to 
demand as much as they could consume. And if you don't have that ready, then you have blackouts. And so you're always running the grid like as, as basically as robust as you can. But when it's not all consumed, effectively it's waste. Like it's the, way, the, the, the waste is a feature, not a bug is what you're saying. It's we have to have it. And so that's why it's so compelling to figure out a way to monetize and that waste and turn it into a store of value yeah. uh, that's immutable. That'll be there forever in the form of Bitcoin. It's if you really spend the time to learn about that, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's and and I mean also it's think of what it's replacing. It's it's replacing the inefficiency and like inefficiency in terms of actual transaction because you know we, there's there's a lot of infrastructure built around and and slowness in and around um, traditional bank infrastructure, but also just like the the human waste the the um, the bureaucratic waste in and around how should our monetary policy function? All of that, all of the, the, the human time that goes into that, it more or less is made obsolete at the base layer that is central banking. And, you know, advocates of central banking, um, you know, won't, won't buy this, <laughs> won't buy this argument, but those of us that believe that central banking is inefficient at interpreting uh, you know, how our market functions. Um, it, it replaces all of that. It, it prevents us from wasting our time and energy on it. And it does so by capitalizing on waste, right? Like if we, we could just run this, run this network for a global monetary system on our energy that we were throwing in the garbage anyways. So I, I think that's a unique perspective. Absolutely. No, yeah. definitely. It, it, it is. And if people are not using wasted energy, if they're not using cheap energy, uh, then they're not going to be around for a long time. And rather than a centralized planner that is, you know, doing all this stuff, you've got a bunch of individuals or companies that are pretty entrepreneurial because they're getting into this space. And if they don't do it in a good way, if they do it in a fiat way, like taking out too much debt, or you know, being irresponsible, then they're going to fail. And we've seen that in Bitcoin mining this last year a lot with companies going bankrupt. And I would argue that's a healthy thing. At the end of the day, it only the strongest are going to survive. Only the people that are using that cheap energy and that wasted energy and being the most efficient. And shouldn't that be how systems are run? Like mm -hmm. only the most efficient people, only the people that are capital disciplined, only the people that are doing it the right way should thrive and survive. And in the fiat system, that is not the way, right? I mean, there, you know, people are getting bailed out, but, you know, big banks are too big to fail. And the central governing bodies are handing out the keys uh, to that network and they're picking the winners. Whereas in Bitcoin, in mining specifically, uh, the winners are chosen by those who are the most efficient and who are doing it the best way. And, and that's a beautiful thing to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you other gentlemen want to dive in, add comments, feel free. Of course. Yeah. So, Max, when you were talking about, um, um, and Ben, when you were talking about uh, stranded energy, it, it made me think pretty immediately. Have you guys read the article um, that that just released recently about the um, the Bitcoin mine in the Virunga National Park in the Congo in Africa? Yeah. Absolutely remarkable yeah. stuff. And we had um, very recently, and we're dropping it uh, in about an hour from now on the TBL uh, channel, we had an interview with the gentleman who wrote that article, Adam Popescu. 
and um, it's absolutely remarkable. You know, it's uh, the 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 oldest national park uh, in all of Africa. Endangered mountain gorillas, uh, you know, fraught with gangs, fraught with low funding from the government. Uh, and and what's their savior? Why are they still open? How can they still fund their staff? It's Bitcoin. Ironically, um, you know, it, in twenty or er, er, late twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, um, the, the this area specifically in Virunga National Park, but all of DRC. Uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo is one of the uh, richest areas in terms of uh, just uh, natural uh, resources, not just its precious metals, but also its potential for hydroelectric. But the issue is that uh, on these mountains where you can get tremendous hydroelectric, um, you know, from rivers, waterfalls, et cetera, what have you, and you can build these great stations, uh, there's nowhere to sell it to. Um, you know, the transportation to get it from point A to point B uh, would make it completely infeasible to set up the plant in the first place. And then Bitcoin came around. And so this struggling national park has the ability to, to take the national resources that it's endowed with normally uh, and then monetize that and monetize it uh, away from these urban centers that I would traditionally need to sell it at. Uh, it's absolutely remarkable. I'm, I'm super interested to see how instances like this contribute to kind of the, the, the hierarchy of, of countries like years down the road, right? Like if, if you're a country that has a lot of stranded energy in the middle of nowhere, where not a lot of people want to live, but all of a sudden you can monetize that in a currency that cannot be debased and you just maybe hold on to that, that, that is massive um like the, the shifting tides there of of a place like you were saying in the drc where you know they they have natural resources that that effectively cannot be used in in a feasible way to help the people there up until bitcoin well now they're they're basically being paid for those resources which are which and and the resources are it like they're they're their energy is a renewable resource. Like hydro is a feasible renewable energy source. And they could, they then have an income to support this national park. Imagine when that tip, when that realization hits the globe and mass, how, how not only, <laughs> not only how much, people that have been disenfranchised up until now will be able to capitalize on that as a country and, and bring in revenue that would not have been there previously. But also imagine the leaps forward and the competition in the extraction of, of this energy and how, how dialed in people are going to be in, at, at, at trying to capitalize on these stranded resources. It's going to be astounding, I think. It's, it's great. It, it becomes a, instead of a, a race to accumulate as much cheap capital as possible. Um, and then obviously you become an inefficient capital allocator because of that. There's this incentive to allocate capital as efficiently as possible. And so it'll lead to outright prosperity because that's what humans will focus on. They'll focus less on, you know, how can I secure loans? How can I set up, uh, you know, uh, the, these, these mines, extract minerals, ship it across the ocean. They'll be more focused on, okay, uh, you know, I can I can contribute my human capital, my physical capital, to developing something that will have more net profit. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty remarkable. And in the past, the DRC they've been dependent on obviously Western infrastructure in order to set up these mines uh, and then transport it to places where it can get sold. And because of that, the DRC has been subjugated for 50, 100 years, more, more, way more than that. 
yeah. and now they have the ability to not rely on that anymore. It's, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. It's it's self sovereignty at the sovereign level. Yeah, and and you've got a direct you've got a direct finger on the pulse on a global scale of how efficient you are in reality, right? Not like subsidized efficiency and like fake grid. It's like a global monetary network will reimburse you if you are actually efficient and you, there's no bullshitting that, which is- Yeah, you know. no tax credits, no government subsidies, no uh, you know getting paid when you're not producing. And, and the typical stuff that's happening on the grid right now with renewables is that you are compensated for being inefficient. And you are penalized for being reliable. So if you're a reliable energy source and you're available all the time when the wind is blowing, when the sun is shining, you shut down and you, and you make less money. And the guys that are unreliable, they're getting all this you know, tax credits and these incentives from central planners uh, to run while the people that are there and they're reliable are getting punished for that. And this is quite frankly the opposite but it still can benefit those unreliable resources because of the reasons that I mentioned earlier. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that people that really understand energy and, and get it uh, and that take the time to learn it. There's so much, what I love about, and the reason why I said this is what makes me so bullish is that I think the people that come into the Bitcoin world through this angle uh, that forces them to learn about the network and about mining. And it, it makes you get more, beyond surface level of the people that are just like number go up. I want to buy this. I'm a trader. I'm just trying to make a lot of get rich quick thing. That's fine. Those people are going to be in Bitcoin or, you know, they're going to, and they're probably investing in other things as well. But the people that come in from this angle that understand energy, I think that they, if you can really spend the time and put in the proof of work to understand it, regardless of what's happening with the token and the price, um, it's hard to not be bullish seeing uh, what this technology can do. Absolutely. Um, Slim, uh, if you want to tag in before we do. Yeah, yeah, please let me talk. Uh, what we've got here is everything y'all said is everything that the beef industry is. I mean, we had these five micro summits across the United States and every one of them we talked, you know, about mining. And you have the stranded gas, you have, you know, miners that basically, you know, that you could use. Think about how many uh, rural farms and ranches have barns that they can run miners in. Think about all the natural gas, like right where I sit right now in West Texas, all this blow off gas is just wasted. Nobody knows about it. But what you have is cattle and everything that goes with cattle and energy, basically. Well, beef is energy. Bitcoin is energy, blow off gas, you know, soil is energy. What we've been teaching is that little energy will, you know, that we've got some people in Tennessee that are mining Bitcoin with blow off gas that are raising cattle and regrowing the soil. And whenever that basically that energy will gets discovered across this globe, people will it, it goes hand in hand. It is your substance. It is your life. It is your energy. And it, it, it's always there. So mining is going to be huge in the beef industry. It's already pretty big in uh, the beef initiative. We had, uh, you know, Econo Alchemist came and spoke uh, a couple of times at our conferences. We have a lot of mining talk. And whenever the, the ranchers hear about mining and the possibilities, I mean, they tune straight in, you know, and the adoption of the education of Bitcoin goes a hell of a lot faster. And so, you know, it's it's going to go hand in hand with everything that the Beef Initiative is doing. 
And it really is something that's fascinating. And it's a new form of looking at energy as a will that we can use in the beef industry from the soil all the way through the blow off gas, whatever it is, you know, into mining Bitcoin, into basically raising beef and, you know, the basically regrowing soil. So we're at the beginning, uh, but there's a lot that's uh, about to transpire. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, again, I, I think this is, a great topic and and we could we could talk energy for hours here obviously um and name again, drop that's the name of max's podcast yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah is it it's it's it just it just makes sense and it's obviously why you, you're you're so interested in, and focused on it it's just inherent to bitcoin and and actually yeah yeah uh throw give us a quick pitch for the for the pod so that people that are interested in this can go listen to it afterwards yeah, it's Talk Energy Podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter, Max Gagliardi. The YouTube channel is Max Gagliardi, and it's Talk Energy Podcast, and uh, we have a bunch of good guests on in the Bitcoin world as well as just in the energy space. So uh, if you're interested in this stuff, you can check it out. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time. Let's do another rotation here, um, and I'm going to jump over to Joe now. And again, I'm going to cue you up with a simple question. Why are you bullish? Yes, there are uh, several reasons, but I'll boil it down to one overarching theme. Um, really, you know, Nick and I, when we talk about analyzing markets, we sort of analogize uh, global macro into a watch. There's really no other way to visualize the several thousand, hundred thousand, million, billion components than thinking of like the inside of a watch and the gears working in confluence with one another. And really, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, protocols and the benefits of Bitcoin at the network level. Um, at the Bitcoin layer, we do that as well. But we also focus on what is the macro backdrop? How is it shaking out? And what will that mean for Bitcoin's price? Uh, obviously, you know, one of the big reasons Bitcoin exists and we're all so fond of it is it offers this perfectly scarce alternative to the seemingly infinitely expanding uh, you know, fiat money, whether you are in uh, a U.S. dollar capital market like the United States uh, or you're abroad somewhere else. And so really right now, the, the gears of the global macro framework uh, are aligning so perfectly. Um, and the first one that I'll speak about um, is Genesis's bankruptcy. Uh, so last night I was about to go to bed. Uh, it was uh, midnight something Eastern time. Right about to shut it off. I look at CoinDesk two minutes ago. Genesis filed for bankruptcy. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sleeping for another hour. Um, and so I, I pulled open the bankruptcy doc. And I was uh, flipping through it, flipping through it. Um, and, and yet again, it's it's another entity that went belly up, um, that was heavily engaged in a lot of this uh, crypto nonsense, extremely risky lending, uh, you know, high yielding promises um, that have since the start of last year just completely collapsed and unfolded. Um, and obviously Genesis is sort of the latest uh, chain within that huge daisy chain of crypto leverage. Um, and taking a look at uh, their bankruptcy doc, uh, they have listed, they have only uh, $500 million in assets listed, I believe, uh, at, a, at, at a maximum. But they owe upwards of $32.7 billion to creditors that are filed listed in the bankruptcy doc. And so... Uh, essentially, there are there are a couple of things that could occur. Uh, DCG could start selling off some of its businesses in order to uh, actually pay up those creditors. 
Um, whatever the restructuring of the debt ends up looking like, it'll probably look like the sale of some subsidiaries of Digital Currency Group, the parent company, um, the dissolution of some subsidiaries. Uh, it's going to take any one of those forms. Um, but but the end game is uh, exactly as we spoke about earlier, and efficient capital allocation, only the strong survive. This bankruptcy is yet another in a long line that's going to unwind the the inefficient sort of leeches within the space, right? Not to get down on some of the, the companies that Digital Currency Group owns. Um, I'm sure some are completely fine, have nothing to do with this, what have you. But there's a lot of quote unquote crypto uh, that lives in there. And the reason that crypto exists is, is sort of a function of this easy money regime that we've been living in. Um, you know, rates as low as possible for as long as possible, uh, seemingly endless amounts of QE imbuing banks with so many reserves. It, it, it gets down to the individual level. All of us become speculative. All of a sudden, everyone's uh, becoming a day trader in 2019 and 2020. And then when real money is introduced, right, a, pro a positive price of money is introduced, it all comes crumbling down, right? Luna collapsed within, within a month, within less than a month of the Fed's first rate hike. Um, FTX collapsed within two months of uh, the Fed beginning QT, same with uh, 3AC. And so Jed, the, the reason that I'm bullish about this is because it's weeding out a lot of the uh, suppress, sort of uh, suppressants on uh, Bitcoin's price and on Bitcoin's adoption too. Um, you know, we 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 often like to disassociate Bitcoin from crypto, right? Because they're very much separate. But to the individual who may not be as versed, they they equate them as one and the same, right? Millions of dollars of marketing have gone into positioning them as one and the same. And unfortunately, even though all of these this huge daisy chain of leverage completely unwinding, that's great for Bitcoin in the long run. Uh, in the short run, there's reputational damage uh, to be had to Bitcoin. Um, and so, you know, uh, I'm bullish from the standpoint of yet another one bites the dust. And I, I don't think this will be the, the last as, as the Fed holds higher for longer, which they've been saying for, for several months now. If you took a shot every time a Fed speaker said higher for longer, you'd have alcohol poisoning by now. <laughs> um, but the, the second component in the global macro framework that's really lining up. So we have this leverage purge. Uh, the second thing is uh, the macro backdrop. So the Fed um, and, you know, I hate the fact that a component of my job involves uh, very, very closely watching what uh, a, a, a council of unelected elders has to say about the price of money. Uh, but all the same, it does dictate Bitcoin and other assets where they head. And uh, the macro backdrop is turning to more favorable for, uh, for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is traded like a risk asset uh, by the big money managers, even though we all know that it's more so risk off. It's something that you want to position yourself in. Uh, 20, 30, 40 years in, if you're holding it as an asset, uh, you know, in the Western world here, um, you know, but it's trade, it's traded risk on. And uh, the Fed, uh, we have disinflation, we have slowing inflation, but also we have outright deflation in some areas. And so uh, markets are pricing in that the Fed is going to be downshifting its rate hikes. It, it had a series of uh, notoriously uh, outsized rate hikes last year, 75 basis point increments, which is just uh, three fourths of 1%. The reason that the term basis points is used is just uh, when you're talking about uh, increases or decreases in uh, a percentage, you don't want to denote that in a percentage, right? You don't want to say, oh, the, the 
two-year treasury rose 1% today because you don't know if you're talking about if it went from 2% to 1% or went from 2% to 2.02%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why the term basis points is used. There was an article that released like a week ago or a week and a half ago where somebody was saying, uh, oh, they're, they're, a basis point is the same as one one-hundredth of a percent. The finance guys just use it to confuse the layman. And that's not the case. So I wanted to clear that up for the listeners. But uh, the Fed's downshifting its rate hike regime, the 25 basis point increments, and, and probably pausing relatively soon. And risk assets uh, have rallied off the back of a Fed pause all the way since the 70s, with one exception in the 2000s when we had that huge tech bubble. Uh, but apart from that, um, Bitcoin is really sniffing out all of these things. So Bitcoin has, uh, you know, uh, we, we obviously had this huge rally um, from, you know, the 16,000 level to uh, now above 22,000 um, uh, or 23,000 rather. And, uh, you know, it's Bitcoin is sniffing out any number of things, right? It's sniffing out this leverage on one that I just spoke about that will be very healthy for Bitcoin in the long term. Uh, and in the near term here, right, you know, sort of getting that uh, getting that boot off of Bitcoin's price. Uh, a lot of these entities will have to capitulate. They'll have to sell, uh, which is ultimately good, right? Getting it out of the, the hands of weak capital allocators. Uh, but it's also it's sniffing out this less restrictive monetary policy that's on the horizon. Um, you know, Bitcoin, it sort of leads other risk assets. Um because it has a much lower liquidity profile, uh, it's only around four hundred billion dollars, whereas something like the the S and P five hundred is thirty trillion, and so moves in risk, right? These secular moves from risk off to risk on, um, you tend to see them in Bitcoin first, and so Bitcoin is appreciating. You know, the headwinds, the things that have been headwinds for Bitcoin for all of the last year, at least for now, they're turning into tailwinds. Right, mm-hmm. they're helping Bitcoin out. So the aggressive rates that cause Bitcoin to fall with other risk assets, they're now leveling off. And obviously, what happens after a rate pause, a rate cut, and mm-hmm. obviously that's not on the horizon. But still, uh, that those rising interest rates are now turning into a tailwind with interest rates that are no longer rising. And that bad leverage uh, that was purged all throughout last year, and the bad actors that had to sell Bitcoin as a result. Um, you know, whether it was uh, on their balance sheet uh, or they were forced to sell it in bankruptcy proceedings. That's now also winding to a close. We seem to get ha, have gotten one of the last big fish here with Genesis. Fingers crossed that I don't jinx it. Um, but uh, you know, all of those headwinds seem to be turning into tailwinds from the macro level, from the crypto native level, um, and uh, that confluence of reasons is is why I'm bullish. I I will echo your sentiment that seeing seeing the riffraff get filtered out and and you know get fiat prizes for playing their fiat games um is is wonderful and being at pacific bitcoin as ftx imploded um is funny because i had friends being like oof how is it being at a bitcoin conference when that happened and and i was like it was great it was like a celebration like it was a it was a victory lap basically everybody at the conference was you know, you, you get the odd person like, oof, like look at the price really quick. But like in a, a like funny way, everybody was kind of like, oh, thank God. Like we need more of this. We need to get rid of the trash. Like if it needs to nuke the, the Bitcoin price for a while to get rid of the riffraff, wonderful. Um, so, yeah, like I'll, I'll echo that now. I, I have to bring this up because it's it's of the utmost important. It was it was a question from the chat, and it's a very important macro question for you. Now, Joe, are you familiar with Yellow? I am. Yes, I am familiar with Yellow. Okay. Well, World of Rusty would like to know: 
Hey, Joe, how much weight do you put in Yellow's prophecy in your macro outlook? <laughs> well, I will say, I will say um, that was a, that was a good prognostication. I will say. And in, in hindsight, uh, hearing it, you know, December 23rd, I think was the date that Yellow picked was. in time. And for weeks he was tweeting it out and tweeting it December 23rd. So many, everyone, everyone and their mother was making videos about it. And um, obviously, you know, take take us back to a month ago before, you know, the, the 2023 started, which has been great. It's It's been risk on. Credit's been doing extremely well. Uh, rates have been doing extremely well, catching a huge bid. Everyone's pricing in a slowdown. Everyone's pricing in a rate pause. Um, th it wasn't that way at the end of last year, right? Yeah. Spreads were... Uh, spreads were tightening, rates were still elevated. They hadn't caught a super material bid yet. Risk assets were still taking low after low, and Bitcoin was just channeling around. Uh, and although a Fed pause was assumed to be coming in Q1, you know, it, it, the the betting markets weren't nearly as definitive as they are now that a rate pause is coming like now. Basically, mm -hmm. it's on our doorstep. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't put basically any weight into Yellow's prophecy um, of December 23rd. But um, give or take a week and a couple of days, he was right on the money. He was right on the money. To start off the year, one week after he, his prophecy, uh, we had the longest streak. If you use the Bloomberg data, um, which uses UTC time, I believe, we had the longest streak of daily green candles in Bitcoin's history. Um, so that's quite remarkable. So, so, so I will say to the commenter that asked that, uh, now I will put much more weight into Yellow's yeah. prophecy. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically... Yellow is what Jim Cramer wishes he could be. That's right. Is, is what you're getting at. Yeah. That's so right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna open. I'll, I'll go to Slim here first, um, and and I'll kind of ask like how you feel about the this flushing of the riffraff, and I'll, I'll also ask you maybe what you think about the 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 elites still treating the the ones that bother to own it. The elites still treating this. As if it's as if it should trade like a tech stock instead of the like safe haven we all know it will become. Done me. Yeah, it's uh you know what it reminds I'm older than you guys. I was in tech startup, you know, in Austin early on, and we saw this type of, you know, all this type of fallout. It really lets me reflect and I just rejoice in it because being in the, you know, in the early days of tech, it was this man, it was hard to pioneer and everything, but everybody was doing a lot of failures, but you had the, you know, the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust. And it reminds me of everything that went on during that. I mean, you know, trillions of dollars lost overnight, you know, and this is, this has to be done. This, this purging or whatever you want to call it, you know, if it's, it, we look at food in the same way, if it's not truth in food, then it's going to fall by the wayside, especially in the Bitcoin space, because that's why I started the beef initiative is like, these people are going to get straight to the source of the seed of the truth of food with me. And we're going to collaborate. And it's been magical doing that. You can look at beef, Bitcoin, you know, this, all these People going through these bankruptcies, all the deception within the money, within, you know, treating it like a stock. You know, as you say, it's just deception, man. And the, the quicker and the if, there, if there's going to be massive damage, let's get to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think the same thing in food because they're basically, you know, performing a global industrial food shift right now. And people don't really know what that means. Well, they're getting shittier with their food. They're inserting shit coins into our food supplies. 
because basically our dollar is debased and what they're doing is they're putting a prohibition against some of the best food in the world and that is beef that's why they're having this war on beef so you know the longer that we can look in the truth of money and in food you know let's get all these deceptive ways out of our way so we can build like we all are right now you know we're innovating through all this prohibition and so these failures are key for us to have more success because it creates a lot more awareness to what we are doing and innovating in this space mm -hmm. so i love it when this shit happens people start looking at us closer they start paying attention ranchers look at us closer because they're like you know okay now i'm starting to understand bitcoin because of this failure over here and this crypto crap and so they start being very intentional about basically having a chance to compete in the basically the beef industry, which the beef industry is full of a lot of deceptions, just like the crypto. So everything that I see going on in the Bitcoin space, it correlates to what we're doing within the beef initiative. And, and I just try to leverage the shit out of it with a lot more, you know, authenticity and truth in food. It, it's, it's a hell of a ride for us right now. I love to hear that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll toss it up to Max as well. If you want to tag into what Joe was talking about or, or, you know, if you want to pontificate on the brilliance that is yellow, feel free. Yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's bullish because we need the bad actors out. And I actually view more, you know, you look at the sec and they're probably going to get more involved. You're just going to be more regulations. And I've talked to people uh, like Doomberg and he was saying, well, we had kind of a Bitcoin debate and he's like, you know, you're, I tried to argue that regulation was bullish and a lot of Bitcoiners don't like that, that point. And he's like, you're just going to transform it into the existing system. And I'm like, but you don't get it. Bitcoin's the Trojan horse. Like mm -hmm. once people are onboarded into the network and once they get it, it's like, I don't care if it's tether or if it's some other stable coin or whatever that gets people that people trade with to get to buy Bitcoin and that creates the liquidity or whatever it is. If there's more regulation that comes about and that increases adoption, that's the Trojan horse. It's, it's like, Oh, well, you know, they invited it into Troy and now that it's in there, it, it's, it's going to destroy the city. And so I, I just think that even though there's this regulation that's coming with all these failures, I think that that's a positive because I think that in some ways that's going to increase adoption and there will be negatives that come from it. There will be more KYC. There will be more things that happen in the space that uh, reduce privacy. And I'm not saying that that doesn't come with negatives, but I think that over time, if you look at it in over a long enough time horizon, more people coming in, you know, more framework to get people on, to get people assured that they're not going to get rugged by an FTX or by a Genesis or whoever, and to show people the pitfalls of going the fiat way of lending out their, uh, their Bitcoin and, and the problems it can have with having these counterparty risks. That's going to hopefully teach people about self-custody, teach people about the, you know, the principles that make it so resilient and make the network what it is. And even though there may be some negatives that come with it, and there will be, um, I think long-term it is bullish because we got to burn the dead grass out and we got to get more people on board and educate them. And when that happens, and once this continues to proliferate, uh, the Trojan horse is in the city. And you, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. And so I think that ultimately, uh, that may be an unpopular take with a lot of Bitcoiners. But I think that as these bad actors get exposed, and there is more framework put around uh, Bitcoin in the industry in general, it's going to increase adoption. It's going to bring people in. And then at that point, uh, the, the runaway trains is going to keep going faster and faster. And at some point people are going to look up and, you know, look, everybody focuses on the on and off ramps 
uh, between Bitcoin and fiat. But at some point, you know, you won't need those anymore. There'll be a circular economy. And at that point, there's nothing you can do to put the genie back in the bottle. So I think it, it's ultimately, um, you can put a negative spin on it, but I think it's a positive uh, long term. We're at, we're at or nearing escape velocity, I tend to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more regulations, that, uh, the more crypto exchanges that explode, it shows you that there's, there's only one in the space, right? The more regulations that come, it justifies the existence of a stateless money. And so, um, obviously, you know, we, we bash on Taleb for what he has become over the last couple of years, but the concept of anti-fragility, I think Bitcoin embodies it through and through and all of these horrendous events, uh, they, they just help push Bitcoin to that Zenith that we know it's going to, going to yeah. arrive at. Yeah. And, and to your point, so Max, you were saying, you know, Bitcoiners don't like, um, your stance on like, okay, there's going to be more regulation and, and like, that's kind of like a trade off that. So <laughs> there's. There's uh, solutions to all of the pain points of of having more onerous methods of getting Bitcoin. So if like if like let's say let's say nightmare scenario Elizabeth War- Elizabeth Warren's uh, you know what she floated as uh, legislation just gets through as written, which it's not going to happen. But let's let's say that let she she floats her thing. She's like, all right, you need basically licensing for any type of like transmission of Bitcoin transactions. Well, what, what, how, how do you enforce that? If like as a Bitcoiner, you can, if it's possible, let, let's say like all apps get banned from the app stores, like all these different things happen. You can, if you choose, roll dice and use a pen and paper and create your seed phrase. Um, I literally made just because of what she was floating in legislation. I made a video on how to do that. You can actually just roll dice, write down the numbers, do some math, and create your seed phrase from the Bit Thirty Nine list. You can do that, and then all of a sudden, there's there's a, a wallet that exists that nobody knows exists. So un- unless they're going to go and ban dice and numbers and words and math, is there's there's not a lick that they can do about it. Beyond that, you do have privacy tools. I literally, one of the sponsors of the show is a mechanism through which you can trade peer to peer um, with immediate self custody with no KYC. And if that website gets shut down, there's RoboSats via Tor, there's BISC, which is you host your own client. There's all of these, there's local meetups. There are methods to get Bitcoin without without having to jump, jump through those hoops if you so see fit. There are privacy measures like Whirlpool, like Join Market, um, like Mercury Wallet and state chains. They're like Lightning Network. Um, plug in a miner. Plug in yeah. a miner. <laughs> plug in a miner. People can mine off grid too. You don't need to be uh, announcing yourself there. Like there's there's so many, and because Bitcoin miners can effectively plug in anywhere like joe was talking about in the middle of the the uh, dcr or drc like i mean those sats are going to a a, a rig in the jungle (laughs) like so like let's be realistic here the most draconian regulations will still not stop bitcoin for those that wish to use it in a self-sovereign and private way um so you know, you're you're as governable as you make yourself. I'll I'll finish that thought there, and I'm gonna t- <laughs> I'm gonna kind of kind of round this topic out, um, uh, just because again, like I, I we've all kind of agreed this is 
it's it's a positive to see these assholes get flushed out you know like fiat games fiat prizes um but at the end of the day bitcoin continues to grow tiktok next block and um and and even if the fallout from this shit is uh you know bitcoin gets thrown out with the the bathwater um it will still function and you'll still be able to use it as you as you please um so with that now uh i i want to toss it to slim and we're going to do our final rotation because i'm i'm uh i feel like i'll thoroughly enjoy what you have to say here uh but um slim i'm just uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a hard shift towards your topic so i'll just uh start off with a simple question why are you bullish yeah, I don't think that's a mystery. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, it's fascinating to listen to each one of you guys because I have a lot of input that comes my way, right? There's a lot of people that are speaking their mind. They're coming and saying, hey, we want to be a part of this. And everything that we are talking about on the show, it all feeds into the beef initiative in a way that we turn into leverage. And so, of course, I'm bullish on the beef initiative because what we're doing is you know, Beef Initiative is open sourced. It's being run by the ranchers and producers. That's what a lot of people don't understand, but it's it's fascinating because we are open sourced. We are decentralized communications. We are grassroots. We're being as close to the Bitcoin ethos as we can. And so as we do that, you know, we're recreating the beef industry, just not only in the state of Texas, the United States, but across the world. And, you know, if you will focus basically on what they are doing, you know, within the food industry and what they're doing in the, in the money industry, that basically you, if you are a Bitcoiner and you're going along with the adoption and innovations, if you're not looking at food just as equal as you are looking at money, you're going to have issues. And that's what people need to wake up to. It's kind of hard for a lot of people because we live in abundance with our food choices, right? I mean, it's everywhere. And it's, it's basically once you go down the food intelligence rabbit hole, you see that our food supplies have basically been corrupted since day one of us going off the, uh, the gold standard. And so our, our health has basically declined along with the money. Our health as a nation in the United States is bankrupt. And what we know in the beef initiative is you, if you can get back to the source of the seed of your nutrition and of your money at the same time, your life is going to change forever. You're going to be one of the most sovereign individuals out there. You're not going to have to worry about all the, you know how much I get tagged at every day with all this fear porn with the MRNA vaccines. Well, guess what? The ranchers and producers and the beef initiative, we don't even look at that shit. It's basically because we don't have to participate. And that's what we're trying to educate within the beef initiative is like you're going to want peer to peer transactions with your food supply. And if you want to start now and help innovate, we'll do it through the beef initiative. I had three producers uh, 14 months ago. I guess it was a year ago, really, that uh, we had the, plat uh, the platform up as far as the beef initiative. I asked three total ranchers to come into it. Now we have, I think, over 120 producers or ranchers that are feeding communities, shipping beef, basically getting discovered by people looking for better food, basically. And they want that peer-to-peer -peer relationship. And guess what? Now they're starting to transact with Bitcoin. 
And so the amount of education that is balanced between the consumer and the rancher, from the rancher teaching everybody what sound food is again, to the Bitcoiner teaching what sound money is again, it just flows. And that's what we're doing. We're opening up gates is what I tell everybody. We opened up a hundred gates this year, you know, with the beef initiative, we're about to uh, open up a thousand more. I mean, I'm about to go to Australia. We're going to have five summits over there. We're going to talk about the same things we talked about here in the United States. None of it's changed. This is a global thing. We're going to teach people how to build their communities adopt Bitcoin through their food. And, I, you know, it's the Beef Initiative. I'm from freaking Texas. That's why it's the Beef Initiative. But we're talking about clean food, clean food for our children, clean food for our communities, where we don't have to worry about the fear porn, about what they're doing with, you know, the WHO. This is a global industrial food shift. They are inserting more fake commodities into our food systems. They are going to do a prohibition against beef in ways people don't understand. They'll do it through price manipulation. They'll make it to a lot of Western states, a lot of Western countries to where beef will be priced like caviar. They've done it before. They, they can control the basically the, the global beef supply with the fake fiat manipulation. Well, once you adopt beef, beef and Bitcoin, then you're getting back to that value for value exchange. You have a store of value. You're coming along with education. You're building communities. You're building your health back. It's all a no brainer. I mean, this is what we found out. That I tell everybody 2022 for the Beef Initiative was a year of reconnaissance to see where we are in the United States and just not in the United States, but I'm going to uh, Australia. I'm going to Nigeria. We're going to have these summits all across the globe and it's going to be the communities doing it. And we're going to have two things. We're going to have clean food and clean money. And that's what's fascinating about it. Once you go down this rabbit hole, man, you're never going to escape. <laughs> and, you know, the amount of ranchers that have basically increased their sovereignty within just one year is fascinating. I mean, I have people that were going to quit. They came into the beef initiative. They started getting phone calls. There were Bitcoiners usually in the beginning and the Bitcoiners are basically saved their ranches. And we have a rancher in Arkansas. He saved his ranch and now he's going to have a micro summit. It's, this is how it's done. And so it all started with food intelligence and Bitcoin at the same time in my life. I tagged them together. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to save people's lives. I'm going to give the rancher a voice again, and we're going to do it with Bitcoin, and we're going to be open source just like the Bitcoin, Bitcoin ethos. And so, I mean, it's happening. I started a foundation. It's called the I Am Texas Slim Foundation. And what it is, I put up one full Bitcoin. Man, I saved my ass off, and I DCA'd into one full Bitcoin through freaking less than nine all the way up to 59. But I put started a nonprofit and what it is, it's a it's a grant. It's a trust. And we're allotting our ranchers. Well, there's one rancher that we're doing it this year for sure. And that's Jason Rick of Rick Ranches of Colorado. He's an educator. So now we have a nonprofit. He gets to pick a curriculum. We're losing all of our intelligence in the ranching industry in the United States. The average age of a rancher is 63 years old. So we're going to start basically educating a new generation of ranchers and Jason Rick's going to be one of those guys that opens up his gates. We're going to give him a $10,000 grant and he's going to be able to educate somebody and people can donate into that fund and they can donate with Bitcoin 
And whenever you buy beef from the beef initiative, some of that money is going into that uh, trust fund as well. And so we get people thinking about, I tell everybody, put your money where your lifestyle is going to be. Well, that's beef and Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm bullish. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I've got <laughs> questions for you, but I want to, I promised a few cool. people that I would, uh, I would bring up their questions. Uh, World of Rusty wants to know grass fed or grain fed? It, well, that's a generalized big freaking question here. Every cow on the freaking planet is grass fed. Come on, guys. Yeah. We got to understand what's going on here within the beef industry and beef intelligence. People don't like grain fed because a lot of the, the, the hyper around grain fed, grain finished, grass fed, grass finished, all of this stuff needs education. And so, yes, in the beef initiative, we're grass fed, we're grass finished, we're grass fed, and we're also non-GMO, basically local organic grain finished. And so what you have to do is you have to pick everything apart. You get too much generalization on the uh, on social media in general because it gets a lot of likes mm -hmm. and there's a lot of influencers and LARPers that really don't know much about beef. But man, you can't generalize. But yes, every cow in the world is grass fed. Mm -hmm. Some of them switch over to be grain finished. So yeah. Okay. Um, there's another question. Uh, where are you doing the Australia events? Uh, the first one's going to be at Wokey Farms. Go check out uh, Jake Wokey, Wokey Farms on Twitter. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's basically he's fascinating. He is an operator. I just did a podcast with him, and it's I am Te I'm going to do a plug here. It's I am Texas Slim is the podcast, but it's a great podcast. Awesome. And if you if you go to the Beef Initiative, you can sign up for the Substack. It's in there as well. I just to totally encourage everybody to do it because. In Australia, that's the first one. It's in Aubrey, Australia. We'll be flying into Melbourne. And then basically what we'll be doing is traveling all the East Coast, all the way up to Brisbane, probably. And those summits are going to be along the coast and internal right there. They want us in Perth. We're, I don't know, man. We, took, we, we bought one-way tickets, like I told you. So, you know, I don't know, man. Once we get started, we're just going to road trip this out, do some great for the head style of, you know, yeah. let's, let's make it into a kind of a rock and roll show and just go from ranch to ranch, farm to farm, having, you know, community to community. We'll just make it fun. I think I think you're going to fit right in over there, man. I, I backpacked <laughs> Australia uh, Did you? A, a while back and uh, I do miss it. Um, I'm going to give you a hot tip, uh, which I... I learned when I get down, got down there, but you say this and they'll be like, huh, uh, every, every tourist, myself included calls it Melbourne, uh -huh. <laughs> but they, they like, they don't do the born. They just say yeah. Melbourne, Mel Melbourne, like Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. I got it, man. So, Thank you. <laughs> from, from I appreciate that. Tourist, that was me. Um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and then I think there, there might've, um, Oh, there we go. And and Edgar wants to know, how do we get ranchers and farmers connected to you? Uh, what you do, that's fascinating. What's was so cool about that, I told you only like, uh, I asked like three guys to come in or three ranchers to come in. Mm -hmm. That was Justin Trammell, that was Cole Bolton, and then that was basically Jason Rick. Those were the first three. And then what happened is like, I'm going to open up our index. You can go to thebeefinitiative.com, man. Put your rancher producer into the into the index. 
this is how people are getting discovered. We reach out to them. We have a conversation with them. And that is the best way. If they're not ready to be basically found yet, if they're, you know, their e-commerce system isn't set up or whatever, they can basically just DM me on Twitter or uh, email me at basically txslim at beefinitiative.com. And that's where, you know, I answer. But, you know, that's starting to stack up, man. We're starting to get a lot of people, but uh, we're going to do type form. We're going to get more interactive on the technology side. So we don't, you know, blow anybody off. We want this to be basically open sourced. We want to be able to accommodate you and get, basically get you out there, get your voice out there. What do you want to talk about as ranchers and producers? Yeah. So those are those are the several ways you can get in there. I, uh, I, I want to open it up to, to, to Max and, and then Joe, uh, if, if you guys want to like tag in questions, comments, whatever, maybe I'll go Max first. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sorry, I, at 6.30, I kind of have a hard stop. I got to go pick up the kids and I apologize. I all good, all good. 90 minutes, so mm -hmm. I'll make this kind of my last piece. But I love what you're doing. Uh, I think that, you know, we saw at the World Economic Forum this week, there was a speaker that said, we got to get a billion people on the planet to stop eating meat. And yep. that that's going to save the that's going to save the planet. And that's not true. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that's not true. It's one of the big myths around eating meat It's actually very sustainable in a lot of ways. Um, another content creator, this old school media that I love is John Stossel. And he talks about all the regulations around uh, food and around, you know, people like he does a segment on, you know, kids trying to start up a lemonade stand and getting like, you know, fined by the police because they can't even do simple things. Uh, like have community communities that can share food together. So this, the stuff that you're doing, I think is really important. I think there are a lot of people that want to see, uh, you know, us controlled in a lot of ways, uh, whether that be what we eat, uh, how we, you know, trade food, how we interact with each other around food. And so what you're doing is super important and, and I'll leave it at that. And, um, and I just want to say thank you uh, for having me on too. Uh, this has been great and I'm sorry I have to bounce here early, okay. but um, fantastic uh, conversation with you guys. I'm glad that we got to connect on this platform. Awesome. Good Max, to meet you, Max. See you around. We'll talk guys. again, man. We'll talk yeah, soon. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and I'll, I'll toss it over to, as, as Max uh, finishes up here, I'll, I'll toss it over to Joe as well. If you uh, want to tag in to what Texas uh, Slim has been talking about and questions, whatever you want. Absolutely. Well, Slim, I, I will say I, uh, after discovering Bitcoin um, very, very shortly after uh, my buddy, my buddies, uh, uh, Dylan, Dylan LeClaire now and Tyler LaRoche, who also works at Bitcoin magazine uh, in a behind the scenes role, both of them, um, orange pill me pretty heavily and following purchasing Bitcoin for the first time. Um, I went down the rabbit hole of, uh, I had I had always been eating primarily meat and then I fell down the rabbit hole of eating primarily steak, um, for their, the, the cow's ruminant digestive system. Um, and, uh, all of that. And since then, basically I've, uh, I, I've only been eating, uh, red meat, um, you know, whether that's uh, grass fed uh, a lot of the time when I can get it, um, or, uh, grass fed grain finished or grain fed, um, you know, grain, the a grain fed cow is healthier than, you know, your grass fed, uh, other animal, whatever, right. Cause of that digestive system. And so, um, following the sovereign individual, uh, sort of, uh, ideology that's baked into Bitcoin that led me to eating a primarily, uh, red meat based diet. It's an, improved my health tremendously. So I want to say you're, you're doing, you're doing God's work. It's, it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing with the beef initiative. Man, I appreciate that. And that's a great story because 
I, whenever I started, I had a health scare like three years ago and it wasn't, it was an accident. It was an internal accident, but it damn near killed me. But, you know, I finally got my health and it's like, okay, I'm not going to die. I'm going to look at food again. And so I, that's whenever I started writing about it. I'm a research analyst from, you know, my younger days in tech. And so it's so fascinating how many people are coming with the same stories. And that's why I started telling my story. I, I didn't, have to, but I said, man, I'm going to be totally transparent. And I get email after email of people saying, Hey, this is changing my life because I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on beef, just not, you know, sometimes that's all you can get is at the supermarket, man. That's fine. It's, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. It has many layers, right? But there's so many people that they just focus and they, they look at Bitcoin and they maybe look at, you know, beef at the same time. And they start looking at the history of money and the history of food. And, the, you know, it just comes together. And I really do think it's saving a lot of people's lives. I've done several podcasts, you know, with a, a guy. One was Kel. He was a paraplegic. He heard us on a podcast. He started eating more beef. He went out and shook a rancher's hand, man. Now he's starting to walk. You know, his life has changed. And so these stories just keep popping up left and right. So, you know, truth in food, authenticity, you know, truth in money. It just leads somewhere that's just a better place, basically place to be right now. I see so many people with fragility and like fear. And it's like, man, if you're living close to me and you know who the hell I am, your life's going to be better. Mm -hmm. And it's not me being egotistical. It just happens. So let's all do this together. You know, that's how I look at it, man. It's just like, let's have fun. Let's have fun, man. You know, this is an international lifestyle, man. Go tell your friends about it. Say, hey, man, let's start really. Let's let's do the cuts of the cow. Let's look at beef. Like, you know, why did all these basically ancient civilizations, everybody worship the damn cow? Well, there's a reason why they do that. So, you know, it's because they turned the earth into something that we can consume and they make us the healthiest people on the planet. And this is not a diet. This is just how you live. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'll echo what Joe said. Uh, I, I think in particular what you said, uh, the idea of, of educating new up and coming ranchers is, is so yeah. key and creating those relationships. Um, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll tag in here and, and say that because of what I saw you guys were doing, it got me curious about, Oh geez, I should try and find somebody in Canada. Like, I'm in Alberta. There's gotta be somebody. I had, uh, I, I, you know, I went to the website. There wasn't anybody yet in Canada that was on the, the beef initiative. Um, but I still, I was curious. So I tweeted out and I said, Hey, is there, is there a, a cattle rancher somewhere in, in, in Alberta that might be interested in selling beef for Bitcoin? Not three minutes later I had a message <laughs> from somebody and my freezer, I could tell you right now is stocked. Uh, yes. you know, me and my, me and my friend, uh, both like split, uh, on, we bought half a cow together, uh, filled our freezers and, uh, and we paid in Bitcoin. And so yep. now he's my guy and, uh, you know, I've been, I've been, I had a, you know, a couple little minute stakes before we came on this show and, you know, like, a, a, so, um, but yeah, like, a, a, again, I, I think it's so valuable 
forging and like creating those communities and, and forging those connections with the people around you, like not just in, in the sense of the beef initiative, but I think it's, it's forging the way for people to be thinking in those lines. And so I've, I've kind of made it my mission this year to start hitting the local meetup, like as often as possible. And, and I'm really pushing for the local meetup and, and they've already said that they're happy to do this, but at the beginning of every single meetup, we're going to take five minutes for anybody to get up and say, hey, I've got a business or I, I create something or I do something I offer service and I'm willing to accept Bitcoin for it. Or inversely, somebody to get up and say, hey, I'm, I'm moving to a Bitcoin standard. I'm looking for the following services or goods. Can anybody, if you guys don't directly do that, or do you know of people in your circles of friends? And like when you get even a, you know, a, a, a small meetup, when you start playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon in that yeah. small group of people, you can connect to a lot of people and, and you'd be surprised what you can find um, just by, just by making it known that you're looking for it. People come out of the woodwork and, uh, and they're passionate. And so you don't need, you don't need the grocery store to accept Bitcoin. You no. need local people that you create genuine connections to to accept bitcoin and you are on a bitcoin standard you are self-sovereign you've built a community and yes we can be sovereign individuals but we can be sovereign communities as well i mean that's what's happening you're right it's it's not a numbers game man i always tell everybody it's one handshake one rancher one cow one family at a time and everything that you just said comes along with that one handshake so in you know at these bitcoin meetups i tell everybody hey you guys go find a rancher and don't even tell them about bitcoin say would you feed us at our our, our gathering it leads into bitcoin man go get him to feed you ask him to feed you say hey man we want some steaks we want some barbecue we want some burgers whatever it is that he wants to provide and guess what you're 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 letting letting him educate why he does what he does and then it always the conversation always goes into bitcoin man we don't have to be used car salesmen to try to onboard these ranchers all we have to do is go hey man would you educate me a little bit about why you do what you do and would you come feed us and then boom it's like they're gonna it happens. Every one of them gets onboarded. Every one of them wants to know more. They want to feed you more. And all of a sudden, just like you, your freezer's full. Yeah. That's yeah. how it starts. Yeah, it's perfect. And we need a we need a damn micro summit or a summit in Canada. So <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying Calgary is perhaps yeah. the place to come to. I think I think that's what we need to shoot for. We've said it, we've talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. But, you I, know, I, they have the stampede, they have all that kind of stuff up in Calgary. It'd be pretty badass. We do. I'd, I'd love to have you here. If you do come up too, I'll take you for a hike in the mountains. We can go check it out. Uh, it's, beautiful, yes. it's a beautiful area. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to, I'm going to round it out here. Um, this was amazing. I, what I like to do at the end of the episode is just do a quick round and any final thoughts, anything that you, you maybe didn't get off your chest that you'd like to throw out there, um, uh, feel free. But also, uh, I like to, if you have one, um, if you can toss out a recommendation of something to check out, um, whether it be like a, a, a book, a podcast, a video, an app, a, a life lesson, a, whatever it is, a little, a little nugget of knowledge that you can pass on to the viewers, that would be amazing. Um, so, so I, in terms of my final thoughts, 
I, I say this every episode, but you know, everything we're talking about is linked and, and it's obviously linked through Bitcoin, but like the, the, the ethos and our, our, our kind of outlook and our understanding of Bitcoin and what we're excited about is linked. Um, because I think Bitcoin kind of, uh, it, it, because it's so based in reality, um, and, and physics and, and it can't be, you know, debasement is just a, another form of, of lying, right? It's, it's another form of, of taking where people have placed their value, the fruits of their labor and reallocating it and skewing what people thought the world was. And, and Bitcoin stops that. And so kind of what we've been talking about is different ways of getting down to the reality of everything. You know, I've talked about Nostra. It's, well, preventing people from not allowing people to speak. You're, you're allowing people to speak freely and then people can then get down to the root of, of the reality of things and have debates, uh, open debates, and you're not being told what the reality is. You're then forced to decipher it for yourself. Joe, you're t you were talking about how the markets are filtering out the riffraff, filtering out what was the bullshit and getting down to the reality of, of where value actually is. Slim, you're talking about getting down to the reality of what good food actually is and what has been filled with bullshit and, and helping distill that down for a whole new generation of people that are going to feed us. And so I think my final thought is, Bitcoin is truth, but it's it's um, it's contagious truth, and it 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 filters out into everything around it. Um, and so I'm excited to live in a world of more truth. Uh, in terms of recommendation, I'll just say because I'm I was on the topic earlier. Um, if you haven't already, go just tinker with Noster. Just just even it's very early. You might not be on it all the time. Um, but go tinker with it. If you're watching, if you're curious about it again, go take a look. Uh, I just released the, the tutorial video earlier this week and you might find it kind of fun to just get on there and play around a little bit. So check that out. Um, so I'll jump, I'll, I'll actually go to Joe and then slim. So Joe, I'll get your final thoughts, recommendation. Um, have at her. Absolutely. Well, once again, Ben, thanks for having me on. Uh, this was a blast, uh, slim as well. It was, it was fantastic talking to you. Um, and, and the one thing that I'll say to uh, the viewers watching this is uh, markets are volatile, but that doesn't mean you have to be to be volatile. Um, there is strength in knowledge. Uh, there is uh, sanctity and there is uh, a peace in knowledge. And so um, if turbulence bothers you, research and understand Bitcoin, understand what it is, understand how uh, it allows the individual and also the corporate and the financial and the sovereign, like we see with El Salvador and many others. Uh, to position themselves in a way that benefits from the natural endgame of the current uh, dollar regime and other fiat currency regime that, that we're living in, uh, which seems to be credit expansion, credit expansion, credit expansion. Uh, Bitcoin allows you to position yourself outside of that, right? So markets are volatile. You don't have to be there. Is There's power in knowledge. And so I would recommend you read this book that is behind me right here, Layered Money. Um, it is a phenomenal book uh, all about financial plumbing. And uh, right there uh, by my good friend, Nick Batia, you know, it's, um, it's important to understand the current system that we live in, in, a, in order to understand why, why Bitcoin is such a beautiful and necessary technology. And uh, Nick dives into a little bit of the nitty gritty about 
what layer your money is on, whether it's an asset or a liability, who has ownership over it, and also financial plumbing, right? So you can get a sense of, of how things work today and how they might work in the future. So that's that's where I'll leave it. I love that. That was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome book. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it's very, you know, I always think like, oh, no, I'm going to read another Bitcoin book. But each one of them has like these tidbits or these different ways of looking at things that that gives you kind of a, a new perspective. Um, and this was definitely one of those. Um, and I got through it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is like completely different from what I thought it was going to be. And and, and it was, yeah, it was it was quite unique. So uh, kudos to Nick for that. Um all right, we'll, we'll jump to Slim. And uh, Slim, I'll ask you the same thing. Any final thoughts and recommendations? Take it away. Yeah, final thoughts is, you know, one thing that I always tell everybody is like, hey, man, the Beef Initiative isn't some stupid marketing plan, man. This is a call to action. This is basically really, it, it, this is rooted in saving children's lives. Why are we as Bitcoiners doing what we're doing? Ask yourself that question because we got to know where our place is with adoption. With pioneer, right now we're pioneers, and so we've got to think about everybody behind us. If we're going to pioneer into money, we're going to pioneer into food too. So you know, as far as what we're doing, I don't mind shilling myself every day of the week now because what we're doing is we're giving the great American rancher and across the world now, since we're going to Australia, probably Europe, probably Nigeria, we're giving these producers a voice. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to get from the freaking mountaintop and I'm going to tell everybody, change your damn consumer demand, change your consumption model and do it now. Come along with us. This is an international lifestyle. And so if we can get people to really understand that this is not some LARPy shill, some influencer trying to get likes, this is not what this is about. This is about saving lives. It's about getting healthy. This is about a call to action that we all have to, we all have to answer, man, to our consumption models. And so put your value into what is going to give you happiness and basically that sovereign mentality as far as your mental space and your physical space. And, you know, by saying that, hey, man, I just released something called, uh, it's called Texas Slim's Cuts. And we have basically, I am branding out Texas Slim as a new beef line. And so what we're going to do is we're going to partner up. I partnered up with KNC Cattle, Cole Bolton. That way we get uh, attention and we're going to make beef affordable for every damn family in the United States. We're shipping across the United States. And so we have all these cuts that you can't find at grocery stores and a lot of other producers won't supply. Well, we're going to do it with Texas Sims Cuts. So cattlemen's feast there you have it and you know it's affordable man you can't say this stuff is yo it's too expensive show me your pantry and i'll tell you too damn expensive and i'll tell you how healthy you are not so <laughs> people can't come at me with me excuses we've covered all the bases man we're selling beef and bitcoin and i know how many people go and try to act like they're going to pay in bitcoin and then they go back and pay with a credit card it's okay it says we're getting there because more and more people are paying with Bitcoin and that's fantastic. So the adoption is real time. I mean, everything that the beef initiative is, man, we're just out there trying to save lives and make you happier. That's what we're doing, man. Awesome. I love it. Um, all right. Well, again, Slim, Joe and Max are, are departed. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all your time here. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this conversation. Of course, uh, all of you are welcome back anytime. Appreciate you, Ben. Thank you very much. Good to see you. We'll be seeing you soon.
I, I indeed. I, I hope to see both of you soon. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Take care. Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, how was that? I, I I I love those guys. They're they're great. Um, had a blast. That was a lot of fun. Good to have Slim on. I know I know before we we're gonna have him on and just shit gets busy sometimes and uh and i'm glad uh i got to again meet him in in charlotte which was a blast and they did a cattleman's feast there which was delicious uh highly recommend if you get out to one um and and again to to be able to see him there hang out and, and learn about what he was doing he gave a nice little chat about everything which was fantastic and uh yeah i, I don't know i i think he's on to something um, but yeah, again, great guys to have them here. Very happy that they, uh, that they all could make it. And, uh, of course, um, everybody don't forget to like sub share. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Thanks for being in the chat and everybody, um, yeah, share this out, get it in front of more eyeballs. Uh, if you want to help the show in another way, you can head up the sponsors down below coin kite, uh, start nine. Hoddle Hoddle and Privacy Pros. Uh, now, on another note, if uh, if you've been looking at some of the tutorials and stuff like that, and uh, you, you need a little additional hand holding, um, maybe the free tutorials just you know you, you need a little bit more one on one. You can go to my website btcsessions.ca and you can book me for one on one uh, education sessions. And finally, if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Bitcoin tap tip at my strike page strike.me slash btc sessions head there you can type in any amount you want you don't need strike by the way you hit the tip button you'll be greeted with a lightning invoice or if you prefer tap of the right you'll see a regular bitcoin qr code with that i am out have yourselves a wonderful day or evening i'll see you guys next time for your daily session Bitcoin.